Hello and welcome to episode one of our podcast. I'm Amanda Earle. I am A.M. Kozak. And this is uh, our, uh, we're going to talk about poetry and poetry related stuff. We think we'll focus on Canadian poetry, but we may slip occasionally out of genre into other countries. And uh, this episode is dedicated to the victims of the Orlando shooting and their loved ones. So should we start with talking about some, maybe some events that we've been to lately that have been kind of interesting? Sounds like a good idea. What have you been to recently, Aaron? Oh, I've been to a large number of things. How far back should we go? Maybe a few weeks? Uh, uh, whatever's in your memory, I guess. it's a... In my memory? Okay. Uh, well, that could <laughs> that could be a while. Um, so I went to, let's start with June. I went to Railroad at Prest in June. I don't think you were there, were you? No, I wasn't there, actually. Yeah. It was a, I don't have too much to say about it. It was, I was feeling pretty hungover that day, actually. So I didn't uh, fully appreciate the event as I, as I might have otherwise. Um, but it was a Sunday afternoon reading, which I don't see a lot of. So it kind of had that, and it was raining, I think. So it had that sort of Sunday afternoon raining vibe, kind of like a, a quiet type of atmosphere, but it was, it was pretty well attended. Um, Pearl Peary was reading, Marilyn Irwin, and oh, geez, there was one more person there. Um, I can't quite remember the other. Was reader. it Francis Boyle? Yes, that's okay. exactly who it was. And uh, yeah, it was good. There isn't too much too much more to say about it, though. Well, the real so the Railroad Poetry Series is a series in Ottawa that is uh, run by Rod Peterson, who is the former, I guess, head of uh, Verse Fest and also the former a uh, former director of Tree. Mm -hmm. It's a pop up series, so it takes place. It's usually on a Sunday afternoon, but it's it's not on any specific uh, uh, Sunday or anything. Yeah, that like was that. the first one I'd I'd been to. They have an open mic at that one too, right? Yes, they did. Did you yes. did you read at the open mic? I did not read at the open mic. I, I I walked in late rudely and went to the back and ate a sandwich. That's always a good plan. <laughs> Prest is a great place for sandwiches. I would say too, we'll talk about local stuff, but we'll also we'll also move out into other places. Which is a great segue because there was yeah. a residence reading series in June that was on my calendar. I did not go to because residence is Montreal. But you went to a residence reading series uh, recently. I did. I, I got the I had the uh, pleasure of reading as part of the residence reading series at I guess it was uh, the beginning of May. There were five or six readers, so I cannot remember everyone's names. Uh, it was a great series. It's hosted by Clara Duplessis, who's also a poet. And uh, it was a lot of fun. And it was well attended. Uh, it was actually crowded. I had a lot of friends there, and uh, there were a lot of uh, poets who I knew. And it was, it was a wonderful event. I guess one of the readers there was Jacob MacArthur Mooney, who read here at Tree mm -hmm. a few weeks ago, too. I wasn't at that one. Were you at that one? I was, I was out of town. Were you, what about your reading in Toronto? You, were, you went to Toronto and uh, read yeah. there? Yeah. I want to hear first more a little bit of the experience of reading in Montreal and reading in that environment, what that was like traveling from Ottawa. Oh, it was a lot of fun. I mean, I, I love Montreal. It's my it's one of my favorite places to be. I call it the Montparnasse of Canada, which makes Montrealers laugh when I say that. But I think it's a really interesting city. Uh, the uh, the reading series takes place. The Resonance Cafe is on um, Avenue du Parc, and it's uh, a lovely area. My husband and I walked um, about 20, we walked about, uh, we walked like something like 20 kilometers in the space of less than 24 hours. Wow. It was, uh, I read a lot in Ottawa, so it was interesting to read before people who never heard me read before. Uh, they have a stage as well. They have a microphone. They, they, they play, they have music there all the time too. It had a very uh, 
very good vibe. So I'd say it was a great place. They had a merch table too, and I managed to sell a, a number of copies of my my book Kiki. So that was really That's fun. And good. yeah, and I've never read in Montreal before, and it was a very friendly uh, and attentive crowd. People were were uh, very receptive and came up to talk to me afterwards. And uh, yeah, no, it was great. I loved reading there. Did you notice a mood or a vibe difference in the Montreal space as opposed to places that you normally go in Ottawa? Um, well, it was. It started at nine, and most of the readings here, other than I guess the inwards reading series, mm-hmm. tend to start earlier, like seven. So it's a later event. Um, I didn't really. I mean, I, I the thing about Ottawa readings is that when I read in Ottawa, I know probably seventy to eighty percent of the crowd. Mm-hmm. So which the, will, the, will affect how you would like, engage in that space, of course. Yeah. So in this case, I I did actually know a number of the people because of knowing the literary community, but there were a lot of people in the room that I didn't know. So. I like that. I love reading uh, with uh, people I don't know. I read uh, in March in Hamilton at the Lit Live reading series, which was another one with a lot of readers, like eight readers or something. And I only knew one person in the room, and that was mm-hmm. uh, Gary Barwin, who uh, who invited me to read. And that was I was quite scared. I have to say I was more nervous than I have been in a, in, to read in Ottawa because I didn't know any of the people. Mm-hmm, but, the unfamiliar uh, part, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, okay. So I went to Toronto about uh, about three three to four weeks ago. It was my first time um, performing outside of Ottawa, so I was very excited and very nervous. Um, I just went for one night and then had to fly out um, to Saskatoon the day after. It was at the EW Reading Series, um, which was, I have to say was, because it was the last one ever, ran for four years. It was a cool series that was... Um, making or featuring emerging writers the emerging writer series so people often who have not uh, published like a full book but are kind of active and involved in the publishing and performing in the community um there were four readers but what was interesting about that series is that everyone's set was very short so we only were on for seven minutes so which was interesting um, going traveling to perform for seven minutes, but it also made the performance so compact that I felt like people were, you could focus on the performers for seven minutes. That wasn't asking too much. So you didn't really risk as much losing people's attention as you might lose people's attention when you're performing for 20 minutes. So it was, it was a cool venue. It was like, it was in a bar. The lights were good. The stage was good. The sound was good. The crowd was good. There was people, they were out of chairs. They were standing standing room only and I felt like the environment was you know Toronto I feel like people compare Toronto and Ottawa and Toronto is gets the vibe or gets the respect more of a um, a party city or more lively environment but I'm not sure that's necessarily the case I feel like it wasn't a, a dead environment or anything but it didn't scream like exuberance to me that as opposed to Ottawa or anything like that it seemed like a pretty a pretty normal space, all things considered. Do you, who else were? Do you remember who else you were reading with? I, I, um, I do, but I don't remember all their full names. There was J.R. McConvey. I remember he was a, a prose reader at the end, and there was a Sarah. I forget her last name. Was another poet who was reading, and then there was another fiction writer as well. So it was two poets and two. Two fiction writers. That's a good setup. I remember uh, there was a while back the another group from Toronto came here to read in Ottawa, and they had a great. They called it a Russian roulette format, and yes. I liked that format a lot. This is where they basically put everyone's names, including people from the open mic, 
and they uh, basically pulled out names from a hat and then you got up to read and it, people only read like one short piece i would say 3 minutes maximum mm -hmm. uh, there wasn't a lot of banter it was it was it was a lively way of doing a reading and i liked it a lot yeah yeah i think that was um the outrageous the outrageous series that came something like that's that. right yeah yeah um other things that i've been to i've been to lots of visual arts um events lately i'll talk just about I'll talk about them in general, actually, because there's one thing that I find about the visual arts events that I go to that I feel like we could really use in poetry events. And there's a certain liveliness to them. So I went to an opening uh, a couple weeks ago at the Ottawa Art Gallery and you walk up the stairs to the to arts court and there's a DJ on the cement stairs and there's people hanging out with drinks and you walk in and there's another, there's like loud music playing and then there's Bose's catering the event. So there's free beer and there's three different exhibits all opening at once in, a, in these different rooms. So that you can go to one room and get one exhibit, kind of walk over when you feel like you've had enough of that, go to a different exhibit that is a totally different environment. And it was just like, it was, an event in as much as it was a, a showing of the the creative work that was going on there it was more than just uh going there to to look at the the art they were you're going there to look at the art but you're also experiencing that whole mood that whole environment that whole the the community networking with people there, talking to people there, meeting new people there was that more of a almost like a almost like a, a party type atmosphere where you're just you're hanging out and having a good time and also experiencing art, but you're not necessarily just sitting there there for the art. You're there for multiple reasons, which I thought was um, is an interesting way to to look at um, experiencing art. Yeah, um, it, so it sounds like an, an interesting thing we've had. I think we've had some kind of variations of that. At one point, there was a spoken word event, I remember, that also had... Um, live painting at the same time this was at the mercury lounge this was a number of years ago and it can be fun to have multi multimedia type uh, events like multi genre events like that as well and it, it what happens too is you get if you if you mix things like poetry with with art for instance you get a combination of events many years ago um, there was a collaboration between the school for photographic arts ottawa spow and a bunch of poems that uh, rob mclennan a uh, bunch of poets that rob mclennan invited and we had to respond to um, artwork and that was mm -hmm. a lot of fun to, to photography and uh, it was a fun experience the reading itself had a lot of different people that i've never you know people who necessarily hadn't necessarily heard a lot of poetry before so it was a good it's it's a good opportunity for people to to cross their genre boundaries mm -hmm. as well and uh without saying too much i think there's going to be a series in ottawa that's going to be doing a lot of that this coming year excellent well we look forward to that <laughs> that's that's a teaser that's our that's yeah. our podcast teaser <laughs> and you, know. you went to the ottawa small press book fair um a couple weeks ago i was still out of town you want to talk a bit about that sure the ottawa small press uh book fair is organized by well it was originally organized by rob mclennan and james spiker under what was called spano the small small press action network ottawa it was there were these small press networks there was another one in Calgary, at least. So I think that's why it started out that way. So that what they what there usually is, and there was this time, is there was a pre-fair reading, and then there's the actual small small press fair. Uh, Angel House Press and Bywords, which I run, both of those uh, had tables at the small press fair, and also we had a reader the previous night launching his chapbook, Seventeen Reasons. His name is Fitz Fitzgerald. He and his wife Carla Jean came up from Baltimore to. Uh, 
to meet us and read. It was a really fun time. It was great. He did a really good job. There were four readers sort of invited by Rob specifically, and then there was a break, and then Carousel Magazine had its own, from Toronto, had was doing is doing a tour, so that was the first stop on their tour. They had um, Marc La Liberté, I guess his name is, he was the host, and then there were three other readers. Uh, Jim Johnstone, who read his own work, and also he read a poem by Ben Ladouceur. There was um, uh, Megan Black did a really great reading. Uh, she's local here. I think she's also part of Arc Poetry Magazine. She was the last to read, and she had her work cut out for her because the band started up. At, it was at the Carlton Tavern, and the mm. band starts up around 9.30. So she, but she she did a good <sighs> job. There was also a fiction reader. I can't remember his name right now. But they, anyway, it was, a, it, was a, it was a good night. And then the next day, we had the fair. Uh, very well attended. I mean, it's, you never know how many, uh, how many people are going to be there. There were exhibitors, uh, vendors from, from Ottawa, of course, from Montreal, from Toronto. I'd like to go over a few of the things that I picked up. I, I usually make a blog post called my booty, but I'll just, I'll do this all, uh, I'll do it all. Um, do this in lieu of that. Orally this time around. Mm -hmm. So I, I got uh, the second issue of Cantheus magazine and uh, Cantheus journal. This is edited by a local writer, Claire Farley, and also by a, a writer I don't know, uh, named, uh, Sierra Nichol. So they, they are the editors of the magazine. It's actually for uh, work by women and queer identified writers. The uh, artwork of issue two is really gorgeous. Uh, it's by, I'm just turning to my dog. I have lots of dog-eared pages. So that's my, that's my sin, one of my greatest sins. So the uh, artwork is uh, called Cloth Dripping and it's by Mary Grissy. I don't know if it's Grissy or uh, exactly how to pronounce her name. It's it's quite marvelous. Lots of fragments, lots of color, and uh, it actually has a tie-in to uh, Sappho's work and mm -hmm. also uh, Anne Carson's If Not Winter. So mm -hmm. she basically uh, uh, there's an essay in the in the issue by Mary Ma who says that um, yeah, that actually the artist is referencing If Not Winter in this. So some of Sappho's work, like cloth dripping, exist only in such fragments, bits of lost text. So that's the idea. The, the whole the the artwork actually looks like little little sort of bits and pieces, mm -hmm. and it's 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 quite gorgeous. I wish I would love to see it. Uh, Cantheus also they had their their launch of this issue uh, recently at a gallery in Hintenburg, and it sounds exactly like what you were describing mm -hmm. for the the art. It, it was um, uh, they had I think they, I don't know if they had music, but they had uh, they had a beer that um, it was they had a whole bar that was catered it sounded like a lot of fun and they had the artwork up on the walls and stuff like that there's a lot of really strong work here if you if you could see the maybe I should take a picture and, and put up a picture of the all the dog ears I have but one of the writers is Mallory Tater and she's been appearing a lot in a lot of publications so for instance in this in this poem Bad Will she's got a line she pours rye into drained snow globes and I, I just, I think that sounds, I don't know, I like that kind of badass kind of a way of thinking. I don't know why pouring rye into a dra drained snow globe is uh, is interesting to me. There are also some locals in here like uh, Francis Boyle and Marie-Andre Auclair. So there's a variety of people, a lot of a lot of women from out west. Xu Kiao Yang has a great poem called Reunions in the, Year, in the Year of the Sheep, which is a bit of a longer poem, but it's, it's quite good. She talks about... Uh, uh, we chase the wolves and wind, red mouths full of fire, your kindness thundering in my dreams, this friendship warmer than everything. There's a real robustness to her writing, which I liked. Uh, 
Katrina Wright, who used to live in Ottawa, was here with her Desert Pets Press mm-hmm. from Toronto. So, I met her at the UW series. For oh, the yeah. First time. So, yes. Yeah. Well, she and she used to, I think she went to school here. She's also, I'm sure she's been published by Bywords. So she and illustrator Emma Dolan started a press called Desert Pets Press in the last year or so. I actually picked this up from Etsy, but she had it for sale for an expert's building by Michelle Brown. And I like this chapbook. It's uh, primarily narrative poems that make up the ordinary, make, make the ordinary seem exotic and articulate the wonder in urban living and travel. So that was a really good one. The next uh, is out of Kingston, Michael Castile's Press Puddles of Sky. And what's interesting about Michael's uh, stuff is he's he's himself as a minimalist. He does concrete poetry, but also uh, short poems. He uh, publishes a little, um, actually a um, magazine called Illiterature. And Illiterature 6, the one that came out for the fair, is one word poems and uh, what's really cool too is little envelopes in there with poems by Cameron Anstey and they're just, uh, it's quite a beautiful little thing. I also picked up three little chapbooks from Puddles of Sky, Cameron Anstey, Jeff Blackman and, and Marilyn Irwin and they're again, they're examples of small, small, pretty poems. Speaking of Marilyn Irwin, she runs a press uh, called Shrieking Violet Press and she was uh, she was selling uh, uh, the work there plus two of uh, I guess two of the most uh, recent one is called Lador of Adore, which is a collection of poems inspired by other people's essay, uh, re- recipes and it's a fun thing it has recipes inside it has some great uh, poems there's one by uh, Jennifer Greenberg called Beat Poetry which is fun and also um, one by um, uh, another local Ian Martin called How to M- Make Mushroom Gravy. Uh, he, his work tends to be quite understated, which is fun. Uh, he's also got a chapbook from Inwards called uh, Climbing Out of Other People's Hands that I highly recommend as well. Yeah, I think Marilyn did a workshop on recipe poetry she a few did. months ago. At, In uh, March, yeah. At uh, Carlton. That's it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, it was fun. And then um, someone who used to live in Ottawa, Ryan Pratt, uh, Shrieking uh, Violets published uh, Rabbit Months, and uh, I would say that he, he's now in Hamilton. The poems are primarily to do with, I guess, urban poems having to do with Hamilton. They reminded me a lot of song lyrics. Uh, I found they're full of melancholy, a lot of really vivid pa- painterly imagery, and I, for some reason I was thinking about the Weaker Thans and, and John mm-hmm. K. Sampson. John K. Sampson has a book of uh, lyrics and poetry, so anyway, if you, if you, um, I would say uh, buy the Rabbit Months and also maybe get some more weaker than uh, music. Uh, another local press, which is which has been around, I, I don't know for how long, is Jeff Blackman's Horse Bro- Press, but I think his first publication of someone other than himself is Amanda Besser with The Desert and the Flood. And uh, yeah, this was a, this was a, first of all, the cover is interesting because it, it looks like vintage English wallpaper. So mm-hmm. that's a, kind of a fun idea. The edition was, uh, was he did a limited edition of 25 copies, so not too many, but uh, it was, it's an interesting mix of straightforward urban gritty poems with very fanciful stuff, some wry humor, some poems of youth and, and ferocious poems as well. Uh, D.S. Steinmeist, who's a Carleton U professor, uh, has started a press called Textualis Press. Last uh, year, or last spring, what what season are we in? Last fall, <laughs> he came out with uh, Vivian Vivace's chapbook, and this time around, it's a chapbook by Stephen Brockwell. Uh, now, Stephen is a well-established poet with uh, numerous books around. This chapbook is, again, he's, he's, he's writes, he writes very well. He... Um, these have a lot of attention to sound. His chapbook, Where Did You See It Last? Lots of attention to sound. Um, juxtaposition about wonder of the world with uh, the odious nature of its people. 
very interesting uh, work, especially the little biographies, one called Biography of the of the Praying Manta. I also want to raise the issue of chapbooks. I, we haven't actually, this isn't on the agenda, Aaron, but I thought <laughs> we could still talk about uh, It's interesting to see like a, a chapbook is something that uh, can be uh, made, can be, a poet can be an established poet like Stephen, or it can be an mm -hmm. emerging poet. So it's something that suits. Uh... And I think that the whole chapbook scene is very um, prominent in Ottawa, especially. Now, I'm not sure how big it is in the other larger Canadian cities, um, but I find that Ottawa seems to have so many different small press publications of, of strong work, too, in that there's a whole... Um, the, the Ottawa community is really has that kind of at its forefront in some ways. I almost identify Ottawa's community with the small press and with with chapbooks. And I know that in the past, Montreal was very obviously very well known for their small presses and their 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 chapbooks. Um, I'm not sure if it's, they still are or if that is bigger in Ottawa or if what's happening in Vancouver yeah, I don't know. I know uh, Toronto has a good small press scene. Like, um, aside from Desert Press, uh, I should also mention, like, uh, Jim Johnstone's Anstruther Press is a chapbook press as well. Mm -hmm. uh, there's Emergency Response Unit. You there's... know what it is, I think, though, is that there's also big presses, a lot of big presses in Toronto. There are. There, in, well, there's, yeah, the major presses, in, yeah. And in Ottawa, they don't have, we don't have as many large presses. So I think maybe, in my mind at least, the fact that we have, and other cities also have a lot of maybe small presses, but the fact that there aren't as many large, um, there aren't as many large publishers here that the, the small publishers are more kind of infused with the identity of Ottawa to me. Yeah, we have to take up the slack because there's, there's you know, there's so much, I think there's a lot of good writing here. And it's it's like, I what I feel as a publisher is, is I want to be able to publish those who, um, the work is good, but they aren't basically getting a lot of notice in the, in mm -hmm. the mainstream. And the, maybe it's, it could be, be that it's before maybe their first book or, or just they're trying something new. They could be an mm -hmm. established writer trying something new. I picked up also a Valum Press from Montreal was there, speaking of Montreal presses. Yeah. And I picked up two chapbooks from their chapbook series, one by one called Rules for Sadness by Jason Camlot. Uh, he, uh, it was uh, an interesting, uh, the, the book is centered around the long poem Rules for Sadness, but there's also Letters to Death. He has a wry sense of humor, which is fun, but also a lot of darkness in there as well. And uh, uh, very restrained emotionally can kind of lead to uh, an emotional text somehow. Then there's uh, A Tilt in the Wondering by Nicole Brassard. Oh, now, I really like her work. Yeah, I, I love her work. And of course, I'll, I'll sort of take any opportunity to pick up her work. This has, this is a combination of English and French again it's kind of um, the combination of abstract philosophical thinking with some real visceral stuff and, mm -hmm. and uh, also a lot of uh, feminist stuff lastly I didn't pick this up at uh, the small press fair per se but um, above ground press uh, because Rob McClellan runs the fair it had a table there along with showed you his uh, publishing company showed your books. So uh, one of the things as I, I have a subscription to above ground press for $50, you get here's a here's a free commercial for for $50. You can you a year you can get everything that above ground press puts out and they he puts out a lot of stuff, poetry, mostly and uh, broadsides chapbooks. So this is three bloody words by Stephanie Bolster. It's actually the reissue of a chapbook of hers that came out in 1996 with a with a new afterward by her poems that basically uh, are a about uh, uh, girls in children's literature and princesses, and to kind of combat the idea of the Disney princess, the sacred suite. So, yeah, that's that's quite fun. 
that's uh, those are some of the things I got from the small press fair. It'll got happen quite again. A lot. Yeah, I know. I actually I did well. I, yeah, let's say I spent a little bit more than Angel House Press made, and I did some bartering as well. So that one mm. nice thing about chapbooks too is you, you know they are good for. Um, people of small of, of, of you know with small budgets and stuff so you can mm -hmm. buy a lot of times a chapbook for five dollars or so, or less or you can barter and i do a lot of that with uh, angel house press chapbooks too i went to the zine fair i think the week before oh yeah um and it was it was amazing to me that there were such a different array of people than are appearing on things like the small press book fair. I saw almost no one that I that I recognized. There was a lot of people that were coming in from Toronto and I think from the US as well. And I noticed that there it was more there was very much a um a political feeling there. It was very it was very uh it was I mean I think the whole idea of small press is kind of kind of kind of countercultural in a way, but I felt like it was very prevalent at at the zine fair with just the the uh, the ideology of people there and just the designs of the different of the different um, books. And there were very a lot of them were very um, simple designs, very uh, very you know not not too exuberant or elaborate types of designs. I picked up a few things. I haven't. They're they're with a friend right now because I the, they held on to them for me because I was biking. I think somewhere after. Um, speaking of, you mentioned Ian Martin before. I got one of his one of his uh, chapbooks. He has a lot of interesting little conceptual works about. He had one I think that was just like uh, he thought of a whole bunch of different titles and he just he didn't he had like forty or fifty different titles that he liked for things but didn't have the works to fit the titles so he just <laughs> printed off all the titles and there's there's some uh, there's some interesting ones in there but yeah the one the one thing I will say about things like the small press book fair and especially I felt it at the zine fair as a person going around to all the different tables and say that there say there's forty or fifty tables there there was a lot of the zine fair. And as someone with a small budget, I only have very little money. I can buy maybe one or two books. But there's so many people, that are, there's so many things that look interesting to me and people I want to talk to. But then when you start engaging in that conversation with that person, you almost feel like there's an onus for you to buy something to yeah, support yeah. them. It's and, rough. <laughs> and I noticed I was sitting at Ian's table for him um, for a few minutes while he like walked around and checked out the other ones to kind of guard his, his stuff. And... As a person sitting on the table, I notice people don't necessarily want to make eye contact yeah. with you because they feel That's like they're true. going to be roped into the conversation, and then I think they might then they'll feel guilty or feeling they have to buy something. And I'm not, it's hard to get around that. Yeah, it is. I we give free stuff. We usually have free buttons uh, to. to mm, that's a good idea. To yeah, as someone who's sort of. Um, formerly in business i sort of i've i've done a bit of the uh, dog and pony show kind of thing mm. so yeah you, having free things and making people feel comfortable and and so and also the other thing is when they want to just look at and read it stuff just let them read don't talk yeah so not like let them let them take a look at things i i just tell them what it is i tell them this is this is primarily poetry here's our fiction section you know prices run from a dollar to ten dollars and, mm -hmm. like, and then i leave them alone lots of times though they won't even come up to the because it's 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 a scary thing and mm -hmm. the other thing too is if you if a place is selling all poetry and you're not into poetry it's just mm -hmm. it's just awkward but there the small press fair also has uh it also has other things too like fiction and stuff montreal has a big fair called Exposine. I don't know if you've ever been to no, it. No, I haven't. Well, 
although there's a lot of, a lot of it is like graphic comics and things like that but they also have craft stuff too they have t-shirts and things yeah. i like that actually i like the opportunity to have a fair that has more stuff toronto has meet the presses which is primarily they invite it's an invited fair and it's primarily it's all small presses but it could be from here or from toronto mm-hmm. or, or montreal or, or even other places sometimes the states as well so uh it's a it's a good thing. Uh, the other uh, thing about um, sometimes too in at the small press fair there are a few American publishers as well. Yeah, mm-hmm. I, I often miss one of the things I always recommend if you're going to go to a fair like this. Our fair always has a, a, a catalog by the door. So oh, the first yeah. thing I always do is I pick up the catalog and I... Um, that is a good idea. Yeah, and that way you have... Also, you have people's contacts. The other thing as a publisher, what happens to is people come by asking if they can drop off their manuscripts, which is... Really? Au- that's awkward. I always I always feel... Yeah, it's a weird I'm, space to do that in. Like you want to make connections with people for sure and you... But, you know... It's just a, it's just a strange. You don't know how to how to react to that. No, there's times and places to you know give your manuscript to yeah, the publisher. Yeah, so that's hard. So that that's that's it for me for events. Do you have anything more to say about events? Uh, I have a couple more. Okay. Yeah, there was, and I won't talk about it too much because I didn't go to it. But there, there's an interesting series in Toronto. Speaking of things that are um, fusing poetry and other art forms, uh, facilitate, facilitate. They had something called Facilibration. And one of the people that you mentioned earlier from the outrageous event that came to Ottawa, uh, Joey Annie. Oh, yeah. I guess what he did is he he started performing and he got a bunch of people to follow him outside of the bar onto the street and started just performing in the middle of the street. Uh, And then they literally stopped traffic for a few minutes and there was a crowd of people watching him perform in the middle of the street outside of the bar, which I think is a very interesting idea. I think I would be I wouldn't have quite the guts to do it myself. But I think the concept of that is very, uh, very cool. I'm also very interested in um, spaces that we do what we perform in and that we engage with creative expression in. So I think taking taking the people out from one space where you're expected to be performing into a, another space where you're not expected to be performing is, is uh, very interesting. There was the tree reading series at the end of June with Jeff Blackman and J.M. Franchoteau, and there was another person there. Did you get to go to that one? No, I didn't. I'm I'm trying to remember who the third person was. She sounded very interesting. I remember. Um, um, oh, Talia Rubin. Okay, yeah. I liked the description of her work a lot. Um, yeah, that happened. I'm sure that was a great, uh, a great event that we both did not go to. And that was the last one. They close now. They uh, close in the summertime, so they'll they'll start up again in September. They also they have. Uh, workshops ahead of time as well the last workshop mm-hmm. i think was uh from anita dolman it had to do with gender in in uh, your writing so that that sounded like it would be oh, quite interesting as well in the last one i wanted maybe two more there was did you go to the, the bird philomela launch i did i actually uh the bird uh, yeah philomela i actually was one of the readers so i was there well, there you go it was um yeah it was at, at the uh poor Bo- poor boy again uh, which is a a, a great uh, friendly little bar uh, on Somerset West, and uh, it was crowded. It was packed. They and they managed to make uh, the uh, the publisher Natalie Hanna Badlax Press, a new press she started, uh, was selling the uh, chapbooks for the anthologies. I guess for ten dollars, and all the money went to the Ottawa Rape Crisis Center. They raised that night. They raised over six hundred dollars, and I think there were only a couple of copies left at the end of the night. They'll probably have a have another. Um, I hope they they maybe they'll republish the other thing too, which is great is uh, Sawdust because it was 
was run under Sawdust uh, mm-hmm. Reading Series. They're going to do this event every year, so it's going to oh, become. Cool. And it's a. It was a. It was. I. I found it tough. I. I. Um, personally, I. I read some poems that were a little bit hard for me to read, and I the ones that I submitted to the chapbook. Uh, but people did a great job, and uh, it was uh, there was an, a little open mic at the beginning too. It was a hot night, though we were all kind of dying of uh, overheat. Mm-hmm. Jennifer Peterson, who is the host of uh, of the Sawdust Reading Series, uh, also sang a song. I'm sorry, I'm not up enough on contemporary music to know what song she was singing, but um, she sang a song for an anonymous. Uh, poet who uh, uh well, who had work in the chapbook and it was it was part of the poem so um and that was she has a beautiful voice so it was good to hear her uh, do that as well so that was that was fun and sawdust is actually coming up the next sawdust yeah july 20th uh the feature is jc bouchard we'll have a whole section later on upcoming events at All the right. end where we talk about we might <laughs> we might we might repeat ourselves there's nothing wrong with that that's true. <laughs> um, right. The only other thing I wanted to mention and not go into detail about was just I went to a, some fringe events, um, Ottawa fringe events, and the Toronto fringe is just finishing up right now. Um, lots of cool stuff that there's even some like there's some spoken word too, and there's yeah. spoken word blended into a lot of these um, performances. I saw one that was mixed storytelling with dance and did some cool stuff with the projector. You know, mm-hmm. and that was a in- very interesting, uh, very interesting uh, performance. So there's lots of cool stuff and a lot of really cool venues too. a lot of small theater venues have a really nice atmosphere, I find, in them. That's great. Yeah, I, I remember once at Verse Fest, there was um, there was a nice mixed uh, uh, performance of um, Ian Ferrier from Montreal read and played guitar while there was a dance troupe. I think their name was Body and Light. Yes. That performed. And the, you know I what the, love that, that performer I just talked about is part of that dance okay, troupe. Okay, that's it. I get a small town Ottawa She's the, the whatever you call the person who coordinates or writes the dance. And Choreographer. The, yeah, that's it. The choreographer. Hey, around here, we're good with words. Uh, <laughs> not really. But uh, no, oh, that's great. Yeah. And I, I love that idea of the mixed. Uh, the, one of the, a verse fest is, a, is a, I'm sure a lot of you know, but maybe someone someone listening uh, might not know. It's a, it's an annual poetry festival that takes place uh, in March. And it's, it's for poetry. Uh, it's for poets from around the world. It also includes spoken word. And again, it, it can have surprise, uh, mixed genre, things like mm-hmm. that. Um, I remember one of my favorite memories uh, was um, this uh, duo from uh, BC called Two Dope Boys in a Cadillac. I don't know if you saw them. They I were, saw them in Victoria. They're great. There, actually, yeah. And they're, what's good, too, is they did this this whole apocalyptic uh, thing, uh, performance, it was all about the, the end of the world. It was it was really phenomenal, actually, and I, I love that. But, uh, I saw they did about a five or ten minutes of that as an introduction to the Body and Light show at the Fringe in Victoria. Um, so yeah, it's interesting that you mentioned you mentioned them there too. That's funny. They're 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 everywhere. They're everywhere. Yeah, yeah. So should we move on to internet roundup and recent news? Yeah, let's do that. And well, yeah, we'll get to upcoming events at the end. All right, there you go. So uh, one of the things, um, one of the uh, local, or not local. What am I saying? Local for one of the the sites that I follow is the Town Crier, and uh, they they are actually I guess they are uh, the Puritan Magazine's little sister. The Puritan Puritan Magazine started in Ottawa, mm-hmm. and 
in 2007. Uh, there are three guys who started it here. I remember two of their names, but not the third. That's the theme of, of the show. It's two names <laughs> Maybe and I can a third. Go the third one. What are their names? Uh, Spencer Gordon, Tyler Willis, and someone else. <laughs> okay. But that was in 2007. Those are the two I know. Too. Yeah. So it started as a fi as as fiction only, and then when they left Ottawa, it became an online magazine that mm. included not just now it includes not not just poetry and fiction, but also essays, interviews, reviews, and aside from that, they also have of this thing called the town crier uh the town crier has all kinds of different features and different interviews and things recently they um there was an interview with uh, margaret christakos who just had a new collection of essays come out with a uh, book thug called her paraphernalia on motherline sex blood loss and selfies hmm. so um basically that um that was uh really interesting it was also uh, the interview was uh with um Apparently, I don't have who the interview is with. Yeah, I do. Yeah. So anyway, it, this is a new uh, um, imprint of Book Thug called the Essay Series. Essay spelled E-S-S-A-I-S. -S -S. I guess it's after Montaigne, who is one of the originators of the essay format. But it's basically dedicated to nonfiction that challenges traditional forms and styles of cultural inquiry. It offers it offers takes on embodied criticism from unique creative minds. Now, I would say that they've been, to my mind, Book Thug has been doing this already. They have had numerous essay collections published at Lisa Robertson's Nilling, uh, Aaron Moray's, um, I think it was My Beloved Wager. I think that was what it was yep. called. Uh, there's also been uh, Nathalie Stevens, now Nathaniel, called uh, At Alberta. There have been, there've been quite a few... Uh, uh, essays, but I, I don't know. We'll see how this differentiates. I actually, I'm almost finished it. I'm enjoying it. I, I, it's kind of like a, a bit of a travelogue plus thoughts on things like motherhood and being a daughter, being a, being a, also a, being a grandchild. And so the link is through, is through uh, being a mother. What she describes the book as, Christakos describes the book as a night grope. Yes, you've gone up the stairs before, felt the doorframe with your toe, but suddenly the air around you is strobing its lack of light and you want to fall down the stairs, but you don't. You go through the door and there's a room. And that's an example of her writing. I mean, I, I'm a fan of Margaret Christakos' writing. I loved Excessive Love, Prothesis, and, and some of her other work too. So this book has 10 etudes, or what she calls tumultetudes in the book, each one of them using a different room as a framework, and uh, from bisexual desire to menopause to memory and death. She's interested in acts of attention and awareness that allow us to frame ordinary quotidian life. And she includes in there two little snippets of poems too as part of it. Um, I like that uh, form. I thought it was quite interesting. A lot of poets have, uh, have written essays and es collections of essays as well. So mm -hmm. uh, they, uh, now the town crier has something else. Uh, they've been doing uh, micro literature review, which is, um, they started to basically look at uh, works by uh, micro presses. So they've started with a couple of different books from uh, from Guelph, a couple of different presses from Guelph, and that's that's where they've uh, they've started with that. For some reason, I've lost my page on that. The Puritan, I'll say, they're one of the. There's a few online magazines that I feel like have been very interesting lately that I've been doing a lot of what we were talking about earlier about not just having a certain poetry or one type of poetry, but really having a sort of interactive experience where you can have diff like genre bending. You're, you're allowing for more hybrid mixtures of different types of art. So the Puritan is, I feel like they have a lot of different types of stuff going on. Um, the Rusty Took is another one we've, we've talked about before. 
that has um, like video and audio and visual art and all that kind of stuff. And um, I will also say the Maynard I really like. Um, they're, they seem to be doing a lot of interesting... I've never heard of the Maynard, actually. Uh, they're based out west, I believe. Okay. Um, someone posted a, a poem from there on my, I saw on my Facebook a couple days ago that was... Uh, it was it was it was quite good. It uh, it was it was mentioning uh, it was kind of a riff off the opening line to Allen Ginsberg's Howl and framing that in the context of um, millennials today about how how uh, we're dealing with a sort of the changing economy and how the the world is world is changing. Um, yeah, those are a few few um, magazines that I find are really doing some pretty interesting, innovative, innovative stuff right now. Well, the nice thing too about when you have um, a, an online site as well as the actual, like you can have a lot of, you can do a lot of different things as mm-hmm. far as, like with a, with a book form, you can with a magazine form, a print magazine, you can only do print basically. Yep, so, oh, you can include QR codes. That's that's the <laughs> other thing, which is kind of fun. There's a new online interview series by Sachiko Murakami called The Hardest Thing About Being a Writer, mm-hmm. which is uh, she she started that because it felt to her as if uh, we hear a lot about the successes of writers, but not some of the challenges. And so she wanted to highlight some of the difficulties. So she's um, I, she's got, she talks uh, to a lot of different writers. Um, she talked to Daniel Zamparelli, who's a writer and editor of Poetry's Dead magazine, yep. also one of the hosts of Can't Lit, another podcast, which is uh, with uh, Dina Del Bucchia. And she talk, uh, he talked about the actual labor of writing. She talked to Sarah Yimei Tsang, who discussed being in a community of bitter writers. And actually, <laughs> there's a group on Facebook now called the Bitter Writers that I joined after uh, after I read this. And so, um, and you know how people ask you that age-old annoying question, what are you working on? Or when's your next book coming out once you've got a book coming out? And yeah, so, uh, and uh, a few other people too. Um, Anita Anand, who's a short story writer, spoke about hypersensitivity. Sachiko made a comment that resonated deeply for me. She said, I have this idea that everyone else has this courage, resilience, audacity, team playing, sportiness, and I might and might I add, can-do attitude that I deeply lack. So I kind of related to that. Rob McLennan and Vivek Shreya were also uh, done, uh, were also did interviews on there. I think there's even been another one since this. I, I looked them up. Vivek talked about the consideration of audience. Uh, for her, the poetry scene is mostly white. So how does a person of color address that hmm. audience, which is while still being relevant to people of color? Her book, Even This Page is White, addresses this. Uh, she interviews white people about the relationship with uh, with white privilege. Um, both Vivek and Sachiko also talked about the physical toll, about sharing their work on such subjects. Uh, Sachiko's first book on the missing and murdered indigenous women and Vivek's on racism have taken on them. And it's a really heartrending interview. I really recommend uh, checking out that. I, I, I will put up the... Uh, um, on the on angelhousepress.com once we put up the podcast we'll also put up I'll put up links to uh, all the different what's uh, that things book we talk called about. again I've been hearing about that quite a bit lately uh, Vivek's book yeah even this page is white yeah yeah there's a, actually in uh, in a magazine I was just looking at recently there's a there's an excerpt from it probably the winter issue of the Capilano Review I'm not so sure but that's mm. a that's a BC magazine it might yep. be in there. Yeah, so I, I guess I, I we were thinking of asking the question to each other what's what's the hardest thing about writing? What do you The hardest thing about writing for me I think I have to take that in context with just everything else in life and how writing fits into that. So for most the vast majority of people writing poetry they're working as well. 
or they have the busy lives otherwise. So you only have so much time to dedicate to, to writing and to editing and to all that sort of stuff. And for me, I write a lot in spurts. I write when I have time, but also when I feel like writing, I feel like I can write. So it comes out in spurts. And I find trying to figure out what is the best, how the best way to spend my time with writing is. So say I wrote a whole bunch of different things, trying to figure out what the best thing to work on and to edit and to focus on and what I should put on the back burner and either discard or plunder some words from. I think that is trying to figure out, yeah, what is worth spending my time on is, is difficult because I find sometimes it's very hard to figure out what other people are going to like and what the poem is going to end up looking like after it's gone through a round of edits. Sometimes I'll edit poems on and off for years, literally, and then submit them. And, you know, several years later, they'll get published or several years later, they start looking like an actual poem that I'm happy with, or I'll perform it somewhere and it'll go well and I'll, it'll change how my perception of that poem is. And it's hard to know in the moment how the poem is going to turn out and what's going to be, yeah, what's going to be worthwhile working on. So I think really determining that, because you only have so much time, determining what you can work on and what you should be prioritizing um, is is definitely one of the more the more difficult uh, things for me. Yeah, you know, I, I find that I find that hard too. Like I prim I work from home primarily, um, and I I do find that to be tricky sometimes to know where to put my focus. I have a I have a good to do list that I keep adding to. Mm -hmm. Uh, for me, I would say uh, the the hardest thing about being a writer is the isolation. In order for me to write, I need to have a lot. I need to be alone. Uh, I, I can mm -hmm. be around people, like I can go into a cafe or whatever, but I can't sit and engage with someone else yep. while I'm writing. So for me, I find it to be very isolating, and I I find yeah that for me is is the hardest, and also alienating too because. Part of my being a writer is to kind of watch things from a distance rather than being involved in them directly. So I find that uh, for bo for both poetry and fiction, I just I find it to be both isolating and alienating. That's, that's my main thing. I find that when I will write and work on writing when I am almost forced to be alone. So I'll have some time where I don't have any plans. I have nothing going on one day. It's like, okay, well, this is my writing day. So it is an isolating and alienating activity in a lot of ways because it's solitary mm -hmm. or can be. I also like, I like writing with people a lot and collaborating with people. So in that sense, it's not always, but it's almost feels to me like it's, it's not, it doesn't feel like isolating activity to me. It more feels like I'm already isolated in this period of time. And this is how I'm going to spend that time. And in some ways it can feel like it's not isolating because you're working on something that can later on be um, used to interact with other people or it can be something that's presented to other people and, and involve, involve, be involved with the dialogue. So at the moment it's isolating, but for me it's more like I was already isolated at that point for the most part usually. Right. And it can be used in non-isolating types of activities yeah, in the future. Yeah, I can I can see that. I can see that. I, I just, yeah, for me, I because I tend to, like I'm not in a, in a day job where I'm surrounded by people. Mm, my day job yeah. is basically my writing and uh, the the publishing activities I do for others as well as myself. So I, what, what I do to combat that is often I, I, I get involved in a lot of different things through Bywords or through Angel House Press. So I have a lot of other things going on. Uh, including this thing I started just recently, uh, a new close uh, reading um, 
service for or a close reading service for uh, new women poets. So uh, I've started to help with the editing out. They can send me like five poems and I'll read them over and offer comments and suggestions. And it's just it's just a way of, uh, I guess, creating a network of, of uh, people who can rely on each other. And also uh, for for me to get more um, work from women for Angel House Press, because we have um, there's a shortage of, of uh, chapbook manuscripts and queries that I receive by women. I get I get plenty from men. I still want to get lots from men. And anyone, anyone's welcome to send me of, of all, all genders, but there is a real shortage by women. So I'm trying to figure out ways to do that. And again, that's a way of dealing with isolation for me. Whenever I get involved with the community, it helps me to mm -hmm. deal with the isolation of writing, but it doesn't get my own writing done. But sometimes it's yeah. like that, the, for instance, editing other people's work helps me to understand my own, the flaws in my own writing. So again, it, it, it helps one another, um, both helps in both ways. So yeah. But that's a good. I really highly recommend uh, Sachiko's uh, interview series, and we'll I'll post that uh, link to the site. I think the it comes out weekly. So yeah. in, uh, we have a couple other things on yeah. our list to talk about. Yes, we do. We have a few more things. Uh, there's another. Uh, there's a uh, Open Book Toronto is a great and Open Book Ontario are great websites to look at for poetry and fiction and other things. Uh, I think uh, the person who was doing the um, uh, writer in residence or the blogger in residence this time around was Tava Harrison who wrote a great uh, graphic uh, comic memoir about living with cancer. She interviewed the poet Damien Rogers recently on Open Book Toronto and uh, Damien shared a playlist about what that she basically uh, created when she was working on her book Dear Leader called the Smoky Garden Playlist and it's really a fantastic um, it's a fantastic playlist uh, I highly recommend. Uh, there were some gorgeously eccentric instrumentals from the Sadies, a uh, long piece by the jazz uh, musician Sun Ra, Stevie Wonder instrumental, and haunting voices like uh, A Roar Air, which is uh, A Roar, or like Aurora, Andrew Whiteman of Broken Social Scene, and, and uh, his, his wife, Ariel Angle. And so um, some great uh, songs on there. Uh, it, it was quite fascinating. Uh, what about you, Aaron? Do you, when you write, do you, uh, do you listen to music? Or? Yeah, I almost exclusively listen to music when I, when I write, but I find it hard to listen to music with words mm -hmm. when I write, because I find that the words get in your head and it can be distracting. Sometimes it can be useful to, then you can, you can riff off it, but I like to listen to instrumental music that has a very strong progressive beat that helps push me and not like a not like loud music i listen to a lot of electronic hip-hop type stuff hmm. or jazz infused stuff that is um, makes me feel creative but also with a beat that is um repeating or yeah. some kind of mix that's repeating as far as so it's like it's it's progressive and it's pushing me uh but it's also something that is almost like a metronome that i can write to and it's not that i'm necessarily writing to that that beat or necessarily You're not writing an iambic pentameter <laughs> no but it's it's something that is regulating regulated i think that my mind can kind of latch onto so i don't have to pay attention to it because the point when i listen to music when i'm writing is not to focus on the music is to have that music as background that is maybe helping fuel my creativity or fuel my uh, my writing, but not to be writing in response to it necessarily. Not, not at least um, consciously. What I, about you? Yeah, I, I, I use um, I can use um, 
both um, music with words or without. The main thing I'm looking for is a certain tone. So, for mm. instance, I've written three book-length manuscripts to Nine Inch Nails <laughs> music, okay. um, especially the Downward Spiral, I guess, and also Ghosts One to What is it? One to Five, which is which is an instrumental one. But um, it doesn't matter. Also, um, a lot of I have a. Um, I like uh, classical music too. There's medieval carols by Anonymous for um, um, Hildegard von Bingen, stuff like that, which is like uh, this beautiful um, a cappella choir voices. But so they're mm -hmm. in Latin. So yeah, I'm not understanding the words. Mm -hmm. So yeah, it helps sometimes when it's in different language. For me though, the main thing is I need a tone. And if I need a really frantic kind of, um, I, if I need to write in a really tight, kind of frantic way, I, I can use uh, music like the Nine Inch Nails uh, music or a little bit of, it's about mood. Uh, yeah, it's mood and tone and and pacing really. So I write I write fast to fast, and it, it can be complete gobbledygook, and I can end up getting like three lines out of it. And I'm not, and I will sometimes put in lines from a song or something like that if I. But I usually it's not primarily to get uh, to respond to the actual words yeah. of the music. It's it's more to just give myself a tone. It's the same thing. Like I also write to sometimes I write to incense, for instance. Like I'll mm. I'll, I'll, I'll light incense, and that will give me a mood as well. Whatever I any way I can get a, a mood to to be evocative of of something to give me inspiration i think i like the strong beat too because it's hard for me to sit down and write very for a very long period of time and i'll need to break it up pretty frequently so i'll like to get up and kind of move around the apartment a bit and kind of dance around for a couple <laughs> minutes and then sit back down and write for another five to ten minutes that's and interesting dancing while that. dancing while while poeting yeah <laughs> and even right. in the chair like moving around a bit <laughs> moving your body around it kind of likes i don't know i think it helps with uh with the pace of what you're writing to and helps i don't know maybe dislodge some thoughts yeah i know that's good I, I don't do that in fact i i often find myself um i've sat at the computer for three hours with without moving at all and I'll realize I'll be totally cramped and well, things parts of me will be asleep and I'll realize oh my god I haven't moved or I haven't drank any water which means I'm faint you know <laughs> so yeah I have a ten well the other thing too is I also write fiction so sometimes I can spend blocks of three hours or I've working on just like a thousand words just sort of refining yeah. them and stuff like that but yeah I, I'm way too still when I'm writing and that the most frantic part of me is my sometimes I'm typing really fast and on the keyboard but that's it and and so, yeah, I, I don't, I tend to listen to music more when I'm typing than when I'm, when I'm just say writing longhand in a yeah. journal or something like that. I listen to a lot of music as I'm walking along as well. And that will give me ideas for poems a lot as well. There's also, um, in the, in the literary community, there are other, other uh, writers that interact with music. A number of years ago, Danny Couture had a blog where she had writers share their playlists as well. And it was interesting to see the different, um, writers there's an american uh, who whose site goes by the name of large hearted boy and he shares writers playlists and has spotify lists uh, pretty much weekly hmm. Uh, American magazine called Cold Front Magazine has a feature called Poets Off Poetry or Pop, where poets talk about music they love and they will share a video as well. So there's all kinds of uh, things like that for for um, music related uh Playlist. Uh, we had it also, I think, at um, both Verse Fest and the Ottawa International Writers uh, Festival, there have been songwriters circles. And what happens is the writers will also talk about the lyrics of their music. So uh, that's that's a fun thing, too. A lot of a lot of uh, songwriters write uh, very poetic lyrics. So and that sometimes there's no real difference to me between lyrics and poetry sometimes, but uh, often there isn't. So it's interesting to hear their their thoughts on their uh, writing. So we do have we do have that kind of intersection between poetry and music. That's interesting as well. Mm -hmm. So uh, yeah. So in reference to our earlier um, 
uh, dedication to uh, to the, the Orlando uh, victims and their loved ones. I also wanted to mention that uh, there's a website called drunkenboat.com. It has offered a space for queer Latinx voices uh, called Pulse. So, and what they say is, we are holding the space for a queer Latinx gente to respond to the Pulse Orlando nightclub shooting in any language, genre, form, and format they want to. While we respect that many people feel as though they want to be in solidarity with the city of Orlando, we are centering in this space the voices of Pulse, the Latinx and queer who are still, as always, the su subject of multiple oppressions and erasures. We refuse to participate in that erasure in our responses. We are Pulse. I highly recommend it. It's, it's not straight up on drunkenboat.com. They have a, they go through medium.com. I'll put the link up so you can see there's some, there's some really great uh, uh, things to read there, poetry, uh, uh, memoir, nonfiction. So that's, uh, that's also another thing to talk about as well. What about, uh, do we have any other internet-related uh, well, only if Things you want to go over awards. Oh, yeah, awards. That's a good idea. Okay. So I guess the big award is, uh, well, they're all big awards, but the one I was really spe specifically excited about was to hear Liz Howard winning the Griffin Awards for Infinite Citizen of the Sh Shrinking Tin. Yeah, and yeah. I will say, because you've mentioned a few of the people uh, involved in this, I went to yeah. a reading. It's been a few months now, but it was at um, the house of um, Jay Miller, the book thug. Book thug right, editor. right, and they have it was an HJ series, right? Yes, yeah. and it was Liz Howard. It was um, Margaret Christakos. How do you say yeah. her name? And it was Lisa Robertson, and it was an excellent, excellent uh, reading. Very intimate, and when you have a reading in someone's living room with with yeah. pie and coffee. Yeah, that's right? nice. Yeah, yeah. So uh, yeah, it was a really good, uh, really good afternoon. That's great. Yeah, I um, Ben Ladusser's Otter won the League of Canadian Poets Gerald Lampert Memorial Award. He was also up for a, a Lambda Literary Award for the same book, uh, Lammy. And uh, Ben has uh, has been uh, well. He he briefly lived in Toronto, but he's uh, he's from here. Uh, Angel House Press actually published a chapbook of his years ago called Alert, and the book Otter is quite good. Soraya Pierbay for Tell Poems for Girlhood uh, won the Trillium Book Award for Poetry. So that was quite good. And just recently, I, I found out through the ARC Poetry Magazine, their awards, one of the awards was uh, the Diana Brebner Prize won by local Claire Farley. So that was a, well, it's a local award uh, for people who don't have uh, first books uh, books out yet. So uh, she won for a poem, NU, about, uh, about the North, and that was uh, quite good as well. All right, should we, we've been going for a while, so maybe we'll just talk about the upcoming events. And we yeah. will say that in the future, we will try to get to at least one topic uh, and have like a discussion about it. Um, and we also will probably have some interviews where we bring people in or record them online or something where we, we interview people that are doing interesting things or going to interesting events or doing something that'll be interesting for us to to talk about in the in the future as well. That's it. And the other thing, you may have noticed at the beginning of the podcast that the podcast is nameless. We might keep it that way, or perhaps you have some ideas for yes. a name for us. If you do, you can send them to amanda at angelhousepress.com. I don't know what you'll win. Maybe we'll have some kind of a prize. I don't know. Maybe, <laughs> maybe you'll be mentioned. Yes, maybe you'll be, maybe you'll be mentioned on the air. <laughs> That's it. Well, thank you very, very much, Aaron. Did you want to talk about upcoming events? Oh, wait, wait I, I shouldn't. I was prematurely thinking. Okay, we should talk about upcoming events. There aren't so many in right. uh, this month because uh, 
the, in the over the summer months, Ottawa poetry calms down a bit. We 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 go out when it's finally warm and be outside and things like that. I, I don't, think, perhaps. but okay. Well, some some people do. <laughs> um, is there anything that you wanted to mention before I? Okay, I'll, I guess no, I'll you go first. I have my calendar right here. All right. So on the fifteenth of July, no, sorry, the fourteenth of July. Bastille Day. Okay, <laughs> it's uh, poets and pancakes at uh, Flapjacks, which is on Preston, I believe. It's a they, they've been having events lately. They're a pancake type place, and I know they also have this one event. So this event is is spoken word. Um, I have not been to it. I'm planning on going this month. And I'm guessing that you listen to Spoken Word and can also purchase pancakes. They also have, they had an event there once. I'm not sure if it's continuing or not, where they had like a DJ on at like 10 or 11 p.m. And they had different DJs on all night. And then at 2 a.m., they stopped serving alcohol and they just served pancakes for two hours, <laughs> which is uh, which is a really cool idea. And I'm wondering if it like takes off or not. But in I'm theory, hungry for pancakes at 2 a.m. Yeah, Always. Yeah, in that's... theory, this all sounds really cool. Um, yeah. There's also, um, so this isn't poetry, but I'm going to be going to a, a play in Kingston in about a week or so. That is, it's an interesting concept. So they're having a bunch of different plays in certain spaces in Kingston that are about those spaces. So there are some that's like in an old, in an old thing that used to be a blockbuster or something like that. Or I'm going to one in a record store. So it's going to be a very tiny, there are very tiny spaces that you can't fit a lot of people because they're not typical like auditoriums or anything. You can fit maybe 10 to 30 people tops, I would think, in, in these spaces. But I think that's a very interesting idea about um, doing theater about a place inside that place. It, it kind of like bends the idea of like reality versus like <laughs> imagination and that, that kind of thing. Is it like, does it have to do with the history of the place or I, something? It probably depends on the particular performance and who's who wrote the play. I'm not totally sure. I'm sure that might come into it depending on how they how the individual performance be fun to have um, poetry it. like that too like to to write poems yes. about about the place and actually have them performed in the in the or read in the place itself. that would be really cool we should do that That'd be good <laughs> yes because well and also like the difference between poetry and like a monologue for example to me is like almost non-existent um so poetry and theater are very yeah no you could do close. you can do a, a long poem or something mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and there's also on the 20th uh, uh sawdust uh, we mentioned briefly mm -hmm. earlier and amanda you want to talk about that at all sure I, I think they they also started a um a workshop so sometimes the featured reader will um is th this will be the second one uh the first one was dane swan back in may so the featured reader will do a workshop uh before the the event so yeah, at event, 5 p.m yeah so like 5 p.m they charge uh, i can't remember how much for it but it's like ten dollars or if you want a meal 25 i think that's the way it goes and then that will go until seven ish yeah, right. and then the the actual reading starts uh, jc bouchard and there will be another reader what sawdust does is they have a contest for the second feature who's usually more of an emerging poet uh, and they um the judge from a previous uh reading uh will uh, will pick the uh will pick the winning poem and see just the poems blind it's a fun experience i've i've been i've uh, been a feature and, and got the chance to do that and uh it's a fun thing and there'll be an open mic as well so that'll be fun there's mm -hmm. another event happening that same night i don't know if you know about this that it's uh, they're recreating cafe le Ibu, which used to be a great cafe in ottawa uh, in fact one of the participants in it was is the uh 
uh, Will, is William Hawkins, who uh, just died actually recently, and he's uh, uh, he was a poet, a musician. Oh, yes, uh, it's by the Ottawa Art Gallery. Yeah, yes. taxi driver, At and Club so this. Saw. Yeah, actually, Ottawa Art Gallery Club Saw, and uh, it, it's an it's an open mic. It's for both music and poetry and spoken word and all kinds of stuff. Same night, clone yourself, be at both mm-hmm. events. Uh, well, this one doesn't start till. Well, it starts at eight. Yeah. So maybe if you go late to that one, you can go yeah, to both events. Yeah, you could, you could do that. I never do stuff like that. I, I'm either at one or the other. I'm not at both. Mm-hmm. But uh, I should also say that um, at least for the Ottawa events, uh, they're all on the bywords.ca calendar. So you can get the details uh, on the site as well. Yeah, and there's a couple of cool events happening in Toronto that I don't know too much about, but there's words on stages oh, yeah. um, happening at the Central. And there's also uh, Big on Blur which is, I think, put together partly, at least partly by the EW Reading Series. They finished their last regular series um, uh, last month, but they're having this one special event. I think that's their last event period. Um, And yeah, I don't think there's too much more. I mean, there's a few, uh, there's some other non-poetry events. There's there's something happening in August as part, it's, it's, um, it's, done through the Ottawa International Writers Festival and it's happening outside of Ottawa but it's it's in it's it's close by and it's writers I, I don't have the exact title but writers are basically uh, reading works outside and uh, in in natural element hmm. uh, people like Chris Turnbull are involved she's a Kempville poet who does a lot of interesting installation poetry so I'm sure we'll we'll uh, we'll you'll hear more about that as time progresses. I think it's toward the end of August there are some uh, there's things like a Celtic uh, a kitchen party out in, in, in Westboro that includes poetry and there's another there's a Bytown festival coming up that will include poetry as well so so there's a lot of things going on I, I highly recommend uh, going to bywords.ca and uh, now I can thank you right That's, yeah. this is the time okay thank you Aaron and uh, thank, thank you Amanda well, thank you very thank much thank you for listening thanks to all of those who are listening <laughs>